Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast, episode 73, Spanish Armada. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. No Jack this week, but I'm joined by the returning Jay Tomlins. Jay, how are we doing, sir? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me back. It's been an absolute minute. I know, I know. It has been. It has been a while, but last time Jay was on, we discussed Chelsea winning the Super Cup, Kepa being a bit of a hero, and Chelsea being Palace with Trev scoring on his debut. So a lot has happened since, but I guess one thing does remain that Kepa is still a bit of a hero, and we will get onto that a bit later but as i always do with guest jay why don't you tell people where they can find you on twitter and where they can find your various contents that you are producing at the moment cheers man yeah no so you can find me uh, on twitter at jtmlns it's a bit confusing i always say that um but more importantly i've started a new youtube channel i'm going to be talking all things chelsea i'm going to do streams previews that sort of stuff and that's easy that's just jay tomlin's football so go check it out yeah, those links will be in the description below. Make sure you check Jay out. Now, for people seeing the title of this episode and seeing it called The Spanish Armada, let me let me just like explain a bit of history 101, if you will. You know, Chelsea, it's Plymouth. It's kind of almost self-explanatory, but I'll do it anyway. 1588, Habsburg Spanish fleet sailed from Lisbon <laughs> with a pur- Jay's RV already, the purpose of escorting an army from Flanders to invade England. They were just kind of annoyed about, you know, Protestantism in England, you know, back then, religion, etc. Uh, they wanted to stop the English interference in Spanish Netherlands, etc. Just, you know, politics, business, religion, all that kind of nonsense. And then basically, English ships sailed from Plymouth. Yeah, Plymouth, see where I'm kind of going with Plymouth? The, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're our physician to fight them. Um, unlike, though, you know, in 1588, English won, you know. And obviously, in this scenario, Chelsea, Chelsea are the Spanish Armada because of our free Spaniards who were the heroes on the day in Cesar Azpilicueta. Marcus Alonso and Kepa. So, you know, that's kind of where the similarities end. But, you know, as kind of Loki says, we write our own destiny now. So we we kind of, you know, flip the script and we're kind of doing our own thing. Think of it as like a Marvel what if, 
that what if series what if the spanish armada had won in 1588 <laughs> that's brilliant it's basically what chelsea did yesterday but yeah uh, we were the heroes we prevented a giant caligas plymouth you know they didn't travel by sea this time you know they traveled by coach because technology and public transport has evolved a lot <laughs> since 1588 and they came in the hope of knocking us out of the fa cup but we prevailed as we sailed off into the fifth round of the fa cup very lovely stuff very love stuff um so yeah that's a little explanation on the title uh hopefully people enjoy that right jay plymouth that was a bit stressful um it wasn't very enjoyable uh your thoughts when Plymouth took the lead in the first 10 minutes well firstly that was class mate what great intro one of the best um and yeah I don't know I was I was almost shocked like you know I think in my preview for this this game I was kind of like I want to see a clean sheet you know against Chesterfield we didn't have a clean sheet we've not kept that many in a while you know start the season that's all we were doing that was our best asset and like we I've wanted to keep one and I thought that'd be a good mental boost. And then within, what was it, 10 minutes, nine minutes, they go and score a really dodgy free kick. Like the free kick, I felt like it happened in slow motion. It just kind of came over and then glanced off someone's head and then Kepa just watched it go in and kept nothing Kepa can do, to be fair. But yeah, it was it was, it was was very frustrating um, seeing that goal go in. And you kind of knew as a Chelsea fan, especially at the moment, that now this is where the stress will come. This is where the frustration will come and we'll just have to knock, keep knocking on the door, keep knocking on the door. And we were exactly right. That's what had to happen after that. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, Chelsea hit the post slash bar three times before we did level it up. And obviously we did level it up because we won. And our goal scorer, Cesar Esplacueta, Jay, I mean, that goal, ooh, that, oh, was, I was... <laughs> that was sexual. I can't lie. That was, ooh, that was... Oh. That's beautiful to see. You know, he basically chowed his inner Jed Franco Zella, Cesar Aspilizola, we should call him from now on. That was <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah, I was streaming this game and I just kept screaming, he's done a Zola. He's done a Zola. He's done a Zola. Oh, unreal. I think, you know, you only dream of scoring a goal like that, you know, us, us mere mortals. So, like, it was just, uh, it was brilliant to see. Uh, I've, I've tried a few of them myself and it never comes off right. So, and the fact that the fact that he just like, because obviously it was only an equaliser, he just went and grabbed the ball and got it back to the, the halfway line. Like f- for me, you'd just be screaming, wouldn't you? Like, because that goal was the technique on it, the ability. He tried it again as well, didn't he, later on in the game, but with more of a back heel kind of flick. Yeah, um, yeah. Brilliant. Well, what a way to get back into the game. And to be honest, just we needed a bit of magic to get us through, like because we they were so solid, and all credit to Plymouth and their defense and their organization because they were so solid. And we needed just a little bit of magic to come and get us through. And for some reason, that's as been a quitter, um, which I didn't really expect. No, exactly. And it was, you know, I guess quite funny. I always find it quite funny when perhaps you're, you're least not technical, technically gifted, but as for is someone who you know we don't necessarily rate particularly going forward, he's a bit. Stodgy, it almost feels a bit awkward at times, and him pulling off a, a, a goal like that, you kind of think that's that's kind of what our, you know, however many million pound attack should mm. be doing. But yeah, that, that put us on level terms. It was a crucial goal to get us, you know, before half time as we went in one one, and you'd have thought from that point on, you know, we would we would find we would kind of get the job done. We would see it round, uh, but that was not the case. You know, we ended up with seventy two percent possession, forty one shots, only which eleven were on target. It was a long, long watch, and I mean, yeah, Chelsea basically teased us for the next. 45 minutes as we went into extra time um we missed chance you know missing chance obviously as well, i did have a ball in the net in the second half his very backfield uh finish but he was offside uh we were cruelly robbed the chance of cesar asplacueta being on a hat trick uh what could have been but yeah we said we went into uh went into extra time and uh yeah it wasn't looking great uh and then i guess a 
but you know moment of brilliance you know one of the fair rare moments of brilliance we got in my game of Havertz and Werner linked up and there is Mr Marcus Alonso Mr Inevitable he is there he scores the winner or what we you know thought was the winner at the time and it did turn out to be winner time uh Jay just a quick word the second goal was quite nice it is one of those yeah. like yeah yeah it was it was it was it was a weird role reversal wasn't it because um Havertz was out far on the left wing playing it with Werner and then he's got it into the box to for to Alonso it's like they've completely like Alonso should be the one getting it in and Havertz should be the one putting it away but it was completely the other way around but yeah it was a good finish it was composed finish I think you know Alonso does you know pull out these every now and then he's very composed he's quite a good striker weirdly um my a great point as well is the fact that Chelsea's problem at the moment has come from the fact that Ben Chilwell and Reese James are injured right and that's what been our big problem uh, and our replacements aren't good enough those replacements are the only two people that scored yesterday as being Alonso the ones that dragging us through they're the ones that got us through this game against Plymouth you know what I mean we're saying the words like dragging us through it's Plymouth so it's just it's it's so ironic it's 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 crazy yeah, no, exactly, exactly. I say all those millions of pounds on pitch. You know, we, we started a strong side as well. We couldn't even make the excuse that we were playing for kids. No, Tommy Tuchel, or I know Michael's in this case with Tommy Tuchel up with COVID, uh, went full strength. And yeah, it was it was nervy. And then, Jay, you know, Plymouth thought, you know, they were going to send it to penalties when Malang Sayu, to be fair, I think it had been a pretty decent all game, gave away a clumsy challenge. But there he is, Mr. Kepa, Arifa Balaga. He stands tall, makes a big save. He just denies us, you know, mm. torture. just denies us going to penalties, which also allowed me then, to switch over to watch the Everton Brentford game bang on 3 p.m. So I was fairly happy with Mr. Ruiz Palaga. <laughs> but just guys, quick thoughts on, on Kepa. You know, he, he did a lot, you know, he's done a lot well since he's just come in. And, you know, we haven't really missed Mendy too much in, in January slash Feb so far. Yeah, I guess that's his biggest compliment, isn't it? The biggest compliment we can say is that we haven't missed our first choice goalkeeper in Mendy whilst he's been gone. Ever since you met him, Nick, you know, you sorted him out. I don't know what you said to him, but, <laughs> but you sorted him right out. But, yeah, no, the resurgence has been class. And I'm happy for him because, you know what, as much I did give him some shit over the years online and uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel regret for it because he was so bad and he needed to be dropped and he just kept not being dropped. Um, but to see him, you know, playing well, having a smile on his face now, uh, it's nice to see. And and to be honest, it's great for a couple of reasons. It's great for his confidence going forward because it's going to be a, a tricky one in the summer because he's supposed to be a first choice goalkeeper. Now we need to make a decision if we're going to keep him that way or sell him. But either way, now with him getting his confidence back, getting good performances in, his price value has gone up again and, and clubs will want him again. So it's great all around for him and for us. Yeah, no, exactly. Well done, Captain. I said Jay references. Right. Uh, meeting Kepper after we lost to one one nil to Manchester City in September, and since then he's you know won us some penalty shootouts, played a key role in getting us to the Carabao Cup final, stepped up in Jan, done a job, helped us yesterday, and yeah, and he's found love again. It seems so. Well done, Kepper. Thank you know invite me to the wedding, etc. Uh, and it's all <laughs> it's all good. But yeah, I say we don't. I don't want to spend. We don't want to spend too much like looking back on the Plymouth game. You know, too much. It was you know not very enjoyable to watch. Said I feel like you know. I want to be like Peter and Noah Home, you know, take the sacrifice like Doctor Strange. I need everyone, you know, to forget about me, you know, and make mm. the world forget about this game, please. <laughs> That's what we need. That's the fair enough. We need just gonna make everyone forget about the Chelsea Plymouth game so we could just, you know, move on. It saves us talking about it. But, you know, as I said, it was 
it wasn't great to watch. I guess quickly before we move on, Jay Hakim Ziyech, you know, got another start. And again, he was probably the best player on the pitch, you know, for us. He was he was lively. He, he didn't get a goal or assist, but I guess it kind of says a lot that he's still probably the best player on the pitch without that. He's, you know, putting good crosses in. He was just like central to basically all the good stuff that we didn't, you know, was a key part of our attack yesterday. Yeah, it's um he's been he's been brilliant, hasn't he? He's been, you know, the kind of the nailed on first name on the team sheet in the last couple of weeks, you know before the break and now like after that performance yeah he's class the way I mean I the, my problem with Zeke is that how predictable he is he and he did it so many times yesterday the way he wants to just get it on his left and whip it in get it on his left put it in the, the goal get it on his left and pass it so any top defenders should be um you know closing that down but he has been brilliant and he has been finding ways. And I think he's a confidence player, isn't he? He's 100% a confidence player. He's He's got that swag. He's got that arrogance, but he needs the confidence to be that guy. Uh, and he's got it. He's got it in abundance now. And the way him and Mason were linking up on the right, the little two-touch play, and we haven't seen that in a while. <laughs> you know what I mean? We haven't seen that kind of flair in a while. So it was really nice to see that sort of stuff. So, yeah, definitely him, Mason, Cover were definitely like the, the best players on the pitch yesterday. Oh yeah, no, exactly. Mateo Kovacic again, like I bang on about it. Literally, one of my biggest frustrations with Mateo Kovacic was I didn't think he offered enough going forward mm. to go with his like suspect, you know, ability defensively. And this season he just improved so much going forward. Say so he hit the bar and he hit the post yesterday, you know, twice yeah. in the same game. He was so close to scoring, nearly did. Played a couple of lovely, you know, forward balls as well, you know, get us on tax. He was, you know, cover was pretty good. And again, just, you know, surprised that he was subbed off at 80 minutes for Timo Werner, but we have got a question on the sub, so we will kind of discuss that more in there. And then, yeah, it was just, you know, it was one of those, I guess, two weeks off. We, we, we don't we, we don't want to be too harsh on them. Um, You know, maybe, you know, we, we did see last year after there was a sort of international break, not quite this time of year, but there was a, and there's an international break. We came back after it played West Brom and got bad 5-2. So we, we do know that maybe after international breaks or some form of a break, obviously this was a winter break, uh, but we can be slightly, slightly suspect. But yeah, we did the job. It wasn't pretty. But, you know, unlike Manchester United, we are into the fifth round of the FA Cup. So happy days. We avoided we avoided a scare there. Um, we're going to move on to listener questions. And then by the time we're finished listening questions, we will discuss the fifth round draw, who Chelsea played, because that is happening in about 15 minutes time from here. Uh, first question comes in from Nishal. Why do you think Lukaku continues to start despite his awful form? Uh, just to, you know, sort of, I guess, almost back that up, whether his stats for yesterday were grim. Um, yeah, I just saw a tweet. I don't have it on my bookmarks, but it was grim. Jay, why why does, you know, Tuchel continue to start Lukaku? Because ever since uh, Interview Gate, which was probably over a month ago now, well, over a month ago, he's not really done much, has he? He's struggled. There's maybe been the odd glimpse, but it's really not been, you know, enough to really say you should be been playing all these matches that he's played since Interview Gate. Yeah, he's trying to... He's trying to beat it into him, isn't he? He's really, he's like trying to. <laughs> I don't know. It's so strange. I mean, he's really trying to play him into form because you know what? As well, just before interview gate, two games before he was on fire again. Like he came back from his injury, came back from like he got fully fit again, banging in goals, but bullying defenders, and we were like, he's back, thank God. And then that happened. It was so poorly timed, and then to and I think Tuchel is playing him so much just to try and beat him back into form, I guess, because maybe Tuchel doesn't have as much confidence in his backups as, as we think he might, because I know like online people are clamouring for Havertz to start and Werner to start, but Werner was annoying yesterday as well. Like when he came on, um, 
there was that one blatant kind of run in on goal where he just didn't use the pace that we know he has and then was completely scared of getting tackled, like completely scared. He backed out so much and that's not what you want from your, you know, forward players. You want them to be ruthless and, and maybe Tuchel doesn't trust them and trust Lukaku more. I don't know. Uh, it's it's a difficult one, but it, to be honest, I, I'm not happy with Lukaku starting this much because he clearly hasn't got it in his head at the moment. He's he's not mentally not there. Like I said about Ziyech, it's the same about him. Like Ziyech's full of confidence right now. Lukaku definitely isn't. And it's kind of playing on him a little bit. And he's just not got the mental state that he needs to be in at the moment. And I don't know if Tuchel's trying to beat that into him or not, but it, he shouldn't start the next game, should he? Like he, he really doesn't deserve it. And as much as Werner and Havertz haven't had the best time at the moment, they probably deserve it more. Yeah, no, it's certainly certainly an interesting one with Romase. He really didn't help his cause yesterday and say another start, another game he didn't do a huge amount in. And yeah, it was it was frustrating. Look, you know, the only theory I have, you know, and again, don't take this too seriously. I've been watching Dope Sick on um on Disney Plus. Basically, if we use the analogy that Inter Milan are Purdue Farmer, Lukaku is Oxycontin, and Thomas Tuchel is uh, the doctor who, you know decides to take it on Thomas Tuchel is addicted to Romelu Lukaku he's had his fix and he can't get off it and he, he needs weaned off top he needs weaned off it but he can't and if he doesn't stop playing Romelu Lukaku then he was, his Chelsea tenure will end in tears because he'll, he'll get fired I don't know maybe that's slightly rash maybe it's slightly extreme but I don't know that's the only thing maybe Thomas Tuchel is addicted to Romelu Lukaku I don't know or maybe it's just pressure from upstairs we don't know it's it's an interesting one um getting slightly more serious for a sec I said we have also claimed, like, been begging for ages for a settled front three or front four, whatever. And that was the third game in a row that we'd seen the Kaku Mount, Ziyech, and Kalamats and Um, So I guess, you know, we've got to kind of be fairly happy in a way that we're starting to see a settled attack. But at the same time, when one of those attacks doesn't really contribute a huge amount, I think questions have got to be asked. I mean, Callum, even Callum himself wasn't really great yesterday, which is a bit disappointing. Uh, Mason and Ziyech were kind of the only two real standouts yesterday. And they're probably the only, as of right now, they're probably our only, you know, inform attackers per se. So yeah, it's an interesting one why Rom continues to start. It'll be interesting to see what happens at the Club World Cup. Uh who knows, maybe Kyle get a start in the in the semi-final. We will we will have to have to see. Uh Dieter, next question. Should we keep Lukaku next season? <laughs> Good question. Uh I think the the end of the season will tell. I think it really it'll say everything that we need to know. Will will he book up his ideas and help us win some trophies towards the end of the season and really start contributing. And, you know, when he said, sorry, he said, I've got to say sorry on the pitch. We're still waiting for it. So it depends on that, really. I think if he, if we turn around at the end of the season and he's still been this a bit of a bum, we probably need to get rid of him, but oh, we're not going to get hundred mil for him, are we? Like, let's face it. Like, I think we paid that hundred mil thinking he's going to be with us for a couple of years banging in goals all season long. So I don't see us selling him, but I think the, the rest of the season will really tell if, if he needs to go or not. But I don't see any other club paying like a, anywhere near 100 mil for him at the moment. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, we'll have to see how Rom performs now to the end of the mm. season and what we do. And also it just depends if, you know, we can get Rom back on side, etc. Get, get him happy again. Because we haven't seen, you know, players who seemed out in the cold at Chelsea have been able to sort of come back. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, it's, Second part of that was who's the worst player for Chelsea yesterday? Uh, could be any number of them, to be honest. <laughs> uh, could be pretty much any of the attack that was out on the pitch. Yeah, I've uh, I'd be inclined to say Lukaku just because I think you know 
his stats were just absolutely terrible. And it weren't like we weren't getting the ball to him. Uh, you know, Mason and Ziyech were doing their absolute best to get it to him. And I think even though Hutton Odoi didn't have the greatest game, he did a, he did a little bit more to contribute. Whereas I think Lukaku offered nothing, literally nothing. I can't think of any one instance where he offered anything, a, a key pass or or error or anything. So probably him, yeah. Fair enough. I'd say it's between Lukaku and Timo Werner. Like yeah. genuinely, like I've tried to be like so patient to support Timo Werner, but yesterday was hard, man. It was hard. I said you mentioned earlier that moment where he's played a through ball, and yeah, like Ron probably maybe slightly overhit it, but Timo just you know, use a better word, pussies out of it. He just you know yeah. goes, don't don't clap me, don't clap me, please. He, he slows down on purpose. He doesn't really try to get there. Neil Warnock again, would be fuming. fuming. His, his first <laughs> touch, his first touch was just non-existent. There was a point as well. He tried to dribble, and his touch was too heavy, and ended up going out, taking it out of play for a goal kick before he got the ball back in play to <laughs> oh. cross it across. Don't, um, that was so annoying. <laughs> it was one of those. It's, it's probably honestly a toss up between between Timo and and Rom. I guess one positive Timo has is he did slightly have a slight link up in the goal with Kai Havertz for mm. Marcus Alonso's winner. I mean, Kai wasn't great yesterday, but again, Kai's barely played in forever, and yeah, he, he got was, the assist as well. He got assist. So I'll I'll save Kai um, some pain. But and then f- final part of Dieter's question: How lucky were Chelsea on a scale from one to five? Uh, three. We did miss an awful lot of chances. To be fair, to you know, Plymouth's keeper had a worldie. I mean, was, we we got lucky, Kepa saved the pen, I guess. But it, yeah, it was one of those. It's, it's kind of hard. One. Yeah, maybe, maybe three. We'll go. We'll go the middle. I don't think we were ridiculously mm. lucky, but also, yeah, don't think we were like so unlucky. Yeah, yeah, three out of five. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, next question comes in from Anna. Mark Alonso's goals have helped us secure uh, wins on a few occasions. Would you like to see him stay at Chelsea for the foreseeable future? Jay, I mean, this is a question, you know, in the January we're talking about we'll chose on the left wing back. In the end, we didn't decide to, you know, I guess we saw the emergence of Malang Sarr as a left back. Um, thought maybe that's an option there. You know, Reese is coming back. We know he can sort of play on the left. So there didn't seem to be a sense of that desperate need for one now, but maybe in the summer was a better time to go in. You know, Marcus Alonso, would you like to see him stay at Chelsea for the foreseeable future or just being brutally honest, is summer the time to say thanks, Marcus, but it's time to move on? Yeah, I I, I, I want him gone, to be honest. Uh, I don't particularly like him as a person. I think he's what he offers on the pitch is quite limited. And yeah, he, he kind of does this thing where he scores important goals every now and then and we all love him. And then we realise a couple of games later that he just isn't good enough to be on that left wing, especially as a wing back, because he just hasn't got that de- defensive ability. Um, no, sorry, left back. Um, Cause he hasn't got that defensive ability. I, I, I want him to see the back of him, to be honest. It's one of those. It's kind of like, thanks for everything in a bit. <laughs> yeah, no, no, exactly. To use, I guess, as I said, this to you offer, Mark, Mark Salonzo is a player who I've got, you know, I do have some, a lot of time for. He scored some big goals, you know, against Spurs, Arsenal, et cetera. He's helped us win some trophies. You know, whatever you think of him as a human being is fine. You know, that's your opinion. Mm. Um, but as a player, I think it's one of those, he's a player who probably should have been moved on a year or two ago. Uh, he would have been moved on if, you know, Tuchel hadn't come in. It's one of those, like, thanks for what you've done. You've been, an you know, a useful, a cr- important part of Chelsea over the last five years. But if we want to move on, if we want to get to the likes of where City are and Liverpool are challenging for the titles, we've got to get better players in there ultimately. It's not 2017 anymore. Uh, you know, cheers, Marcus. But you know, you kind of like that. I guess that TV show that started off. You know, I guess I know. I don't know if Marcus Alonso was ever like really popular at the start, but let's just say he was. He was like that TV show that had a really good start, and then for whatever reason, it kind of reached that level. It's like you know, if it's like a, a sitcom or whatever. Like yeah. the, the main characters that you wanted to get together have got together now, 
and you're kind of like what's left for them to do you know you're kind of like let's put it out our misery a bit <laughs> it's like yeah it's he's, like the, yeah he's season nine of scrubs fair <laughs> enough i've never watched scrubs but i'll, I'll uh, go that analogy I, it's for me for me it's basically from whatever from any season onwards from a big bang theory where penny and leonard finally got together i think they continued for like several more seasons it's like mate we, like what's the point just but, stop, um, please stop <laughs> yeah exactly i'm watching out of a sense of loyalty in case something really really big happens but ultimately it was it was you know a few wasted years but yeah it's just one of those um yeah cheers marcus but you know probably time to just you know end it now before yeah it gets just end it. It's for the best. And let's end on a high. If he, you know, can win, you know, in the season with a couple of trophies, you know, et cetera, maybe an FA Cup at the end of the season, you know, it'd be nice, nice way for him to finish what would have been, you know, a fair, what would have been for him a, a successful Chelsea career. So I think that's, you know, got, got, I've got time for Marcus, but yeah, probably time he, you know, for, for the best of a club, he moves on in the summer. Uh, next question comes in from RJ. What positives did you take away from that performance aside from the eventual result? Um, yeah, Ziyech, uh, and Kepa probably. Ziyech probably is still putting them, putting in good performances, getting his confidence up. I say Kovacic the same, Mason the same. Uh, I guess a, a positive is that we broke down eventually a team that made it really hard for us. And I do want to stress how good Plymouth actually were. I think there was a, there was a nice quote today where. The, uh, some of the staff of Plymouth went to speak with the Chelsea players and Mason Mount said, like, well, like, congratulated them on their organisation. Like, they were really resolute as, as much as it sounds weird because it's Plymouth. But, you know, we eventually broke down a team that made it hard for us and that's something we've struggled with in the past couple of years. So I guess there's some positives for you. Yeah, no, exactly. Plymouth in that game, you know, even in that first 50 minutes, made it more hard than four games against Spurs in all competitions this season, which kind of kind of says it all for maybe Spurs' negative approach against us. But also, you know, a huge credit should go to Plymouth because they played, they did play really, really well. That was a proper, you know, proper tricky cup tie. Uh, you know, we did make it harder than it needed to be, but still credit to Plymouth. They're well-organised and their goalkeeper, you know, I mean, I don't want to, you know, if there's any Plymouth fans listening, uh, then maybe he, that performance might, you know, see them a move to it at uh, a higher club in, you know, the next year or so. Who knows? Because he was... Very good. Um, his second part of the question: What did you make of the subs? Because this this was interesting. Like, I mean, yeah, there's a question with me was how Lukaku lasted the whole 120 on the pitch. I think that was interesting to me. I thought, you know, cover going off for Werner wasn't a fan of taking cover off so early. Um, Mount for Sal that was fine because Mount had a niggle. Um, Aspi for Trev Aspi was you know had a think a bit a niggle as well. 110 minutes. I was kind of fine with that. But what, Jay, what did you make of? of the subs as your as you look through your phone to look at what subs that we made yesterday yeah i was making sure i could remember them yeah i mean the the, the one i was the most annoyed about was Werner for Kovacic because it, it left it left us so unbalanced in that midfield because i think it, like it left just Jorginho in there because i think mouse mount already gone off we kind of like got all our attackers on was like one of you please score that's what it was kind of like it was so strange um, and to get cover up when he was having such a good game, maybe it was like a managing minutes thing because, you know, we played a lot of minutes yesterday, something we probably didn't need after a break, but it was so frustrating. And it's hard to um, criticise too short. Sorry, my voice is going. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, it's hard to criticise too short, isn't it? Because he's been incredible. Um, but the one thing, I guess it, he wasn't on the touchline yesterday, but the one thing has been the substitutes. Uh, a little bit late or just a little bit shoddy who who who's coming on or what because that that one was so confusing to me the Kovacic one um I guess like the Havertz one made sense but then again like you said like you said the question said 
how Lukaku made the full 120, we'll, we'll, I'll never know because uh, Giza needed to come in at half time, let alone the full the full time. So, yeah, it, it's been a bit suspect. I guess they eventually worked because Werner linked up with Havertz, who then got the ball into Alonso. So, it, it eventually worked. But, yeah, it's, it was still very frustrating. It added to the frustration of the game, didn't it? Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Just, oh, yeah, but it was one of those like you just want it done. You just want you, you're just glad at the end of the day. Like no one's gonna, aside from anyone who maybe took their kid to their first, that was their first game. Whatever. I don't think many people are gonna fondly remember that FA Cup fourth round tie against Plymouth or, or remember it too with you know too great in the years to come. So yeah, no, just one of those get the job done. And yeah, the subs, yeah, they were questionable. I guess you know I was I was pleased. You know, I mean it had to happen really, but I was pleased to have it's got some minutes on the pitch. You know, some I guess decent meaningful minutes because he obviously replaced Callum Hudson Doyle just around after the hour mark yesterday. Uh, Christensen went off at halftime for Marcus Alonso again. But yeah, that was an interesting one, I guess. Um, but yeah, South for Mount was in the 97th minute where Mount had a bit of a niggle and say Werner for Kovacic from the A second minute, which yeah was was interesting. Interesting move. Cover was probably one of the best players, so it did seem odd to sub him off. But I guess Chelsea thought we can probably win it without him, and we did. So I guess you know in the end it was vindicated, even if it was slightly stressful. Uh, next question comes in from Dwayne: Does Timo Werner's performance support rumours he's unhappy at the club? You know, obviously there's you know he's not played a huge amount recently. After yesterday, you can kind of see why. Uh, Jay, it, it, Timo, like I'll just kind of broaden out a general discussion on Timo Werner. He's a lovely guy. He's a guy I just want to give a big hug to. He's he's kind of like an adorable puppy, really. Um, mm. But is it one of those where we just kind of have to go, Timo, wish you the best, but it's probably best you move on in the summer? He He's only got himself to blame if he's unhappy, isn't it? Because it, he'd be starting every week if he, if he was the Werner we thought we were buying. And you know what? When we bought him, I was more excited about him than anyone, like maybe other than Thiago Silva. Like that, you know, that summer where we bought... Havertz and we bought Ziyech and Werner but all these players I was so excited about Werner and he just hasn't performed and, and he continued to not perform to be fair like you know we've seen glimpses of Havertz doing well Ziyech had his form like right now Werner has not had a consistent two to three games where we've gone yeah come on this is Timo now and so if he's unhappy he's only got himself to blame to be fair from what I've seen He's never expressed anything other than, like, you know, that he's not expressed anything unhappiness towards Tuchel or, or anything. Like, he's always kind of took responsibility. Like, there's some interviews where this is why we like him because there's interviews where he's like, I haven't scored enough goals. And it's like, yeah, you haven't, but it's nice to hear you say that. Um, it, it's such a difficult one because I know what he offers, but we are a team full of millions of pounds worth of attacking talent and not one of them can put the ball away. And He's he's probably the worst out of the lot of them. I don't know if that's harsh to say. I'm trying to think, but yeah, if if he wants to go, I I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't say don't go. Do you know what I mean? I'd I'd be happy for him to go if he wants to go, but I'm a bit impartial. I'm still undecided. I don't know why. I think it's because you say he's a nice person, so you don't want to be harsh towards him. Like you know, and with this Lukaku thing, you feel a bit. It's okay to be pissed at him because. He is, he's done that interview and he's been arrogant and blah, blah, blah. But Timo's so nice. Well, you don't want to say a bad word, but Giza just hasn't been putting in the performances to back it up. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. We all want Timo Werner to succeed at Chelsea. We all do. He's such a lovable guy. Like, I'm pleased, you know, he had some, you know, a role to play in our Champions League success last year, etc. He'll have, he'll have that goal against Real Madrid in the semi-final to remember. But it's just one of those, like, 
yeah, it's a, it's a, it is a tough one with Timo. It it just seems like it seems like it's becoming increasingly harder and harder to really see how, how he can have a, a Chelsea future. I know we've kind of just expanded on that question from Dwayne there, but it's I'm not saying he's necessarily unhappy, but I can't imagine he's like the most happy at Chelsea, given that you know the the form he's in, you know, probably the worst form maybe of his of his career for a few years, etc. And yeah, just not playing how he would have would have liked. Uh, next question comes in from Demir. I said Mendy wasn't guaranteed to start af- after AFCON. Was I right? Oof, Dean. Dean. Dean is quite a big Kepa fan, to be fair, but I think I might be jumping the gun ever so slightly. Jay, what do you think? Yeah, no, I've uh, Kepa's been class. Um, he has been. And he's and like yesterday was, was a hero of the day because that could have gone to penalties if it weren't for him saving a penalty. Um, but no, Mendy's the number one. He he completely earned his number one spot. Um, he's just he's just been away on an international tournament. It's not his fault he's been away. He's not been injured or he's not been anything else. So like, yeah, I'm I'm happy for him, Mendy, to come back into it as well because I think Mendy will need to um, maybe might need time to get back used to the squad. I don't know goalkeeping. It's it's a completely different ball game, isn't it? But Mendy deserves his number one spot. Kepper has been great. And we will all thank him, but he needs to kind of step back down into the number two seat because Mendy's home. Yeah, no, as I said, Kepper has done a very, very good job since stepping in for us. You know, I said we've not necessarily missed Mendy a huge amount, but also think it's it is crucial to to realize that Mendy is a lot better keeper than Kepper. I don't, you know, Kepper's done well, but a lot of people have been like, he's you know, he's made up for the seventy two million. He's almost as good as Mendy. It's like, no, calm down, lads. <laughs> Edward Mendy is one of the best keepers in the world. So let's just, you know, I mean, he's done very well as Kepa. Uh, but I think Mendy, you know, will start. Obviously, I guess the, the main interesting and talking point will be if Kepa starts the Carabao Cup final, uh, seeing as he's been our cup keeper. That'll be an interesting discussion, obviously. I think we have also got a question of, you know, do you start Kepa still in the FA Cup game as well, which we'll go on to in a bit. But yeah, it's certainly a, an interesting one. Let's say Mendy is pretty much guaranteed to start. I would say, you know, we've got big games. Too, he is clearly number one. So, yeah, that's why I would... I would say. Uh, next question comes in from Dan Hill. What lessons did you take from a match that you believe would be helpful for the Club World Cup? Um, don't be so shit. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, sorry to be blunt. I don't know. It's quite hard one to, to really to work out. Um, yeah. I, yeah I, it's it's maybe, quite hard lessons to take away. We've just got to learn how to shoot, please. Yeah, don't do not do what you did against Lou, um, Plymouth, not Lou. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Maybe that. I don't know. It's uh, Yeah, I think it was it was it was probably a blessing to have that game because I think we said that I said this in a preview like it was a bit of a warm up game wasn't it like after a break good to get that these players having minutes and maybe it was a bit of a slap in the face like come on get your shit together so I think that's the kind of thing we'll take into that game the kind of a bit of a wake up call into playing football again playing that amount of minutes and playing you know it was, it was an intense game which is a positive because. If it was just an easy rolling over, they might have not been switched on as much and not as ready for this Club World Cup semi-final. Yeah, no, no, exactly, exactly. I say, what lessons do we know? We've probably got to have the slightly better intensity, you know, than we did. I think we can't be so sloppy, so lethargic. We've got to be, mm. we, we've got the, I guess, the attitude has got to be probably better than it was yesterday. I know it's kind of hard to, you know, gauge attitude, I guess from the players because we did still create a lot and we still did actually do enough to win on, a, on another day we probably still win that actually fairly comfortably mm. but it's one of those I do think like the attitude's got to be spot on because I think in the Club World Cup like we all you know those teams for them it is so big for this but for the Club World Cup teams that is basically the equivalent of their Champions League final so they've got to really you know they'll be desperate for it so that's what we've got to do we've got to just be be on it be 
just yeah more focused more more professional more clinical because yesterday you know we kind of got away with one a little bit there uh, and the second part of the question was, do we need to start considering dropping Lukaku now? That's kind of similar to Nishal's question about why does he continue to start? I think it's certainly something we do need to consider. Uh, Connor, any chance we bottle the Club World Cup again? I mean, Jay, at performance yesterday didn't exactly inspire confidence going ahead to the Club World Cup. It is completely seeable. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's Chelsea, man. Come on, of course we can, we can bottle something like this. I mean, we saw what happened last time. It... F- it's a difficult one. I think I was speaking speaking on Twitter the other week, like, is it a must-win tournament? And at the time, I was kind of like, is it? No, probably not. I don't have too much passion for it. But the closer it gets, the more I kind of want us to win and think we should really win for the mentality. Like, we saw what happened with the Super Cup when we won that. The run of form we went on after that was just incredible. Like, that's where the best part of our season come from. So if we do go and win this the run of form afterwards, bringing it back to the Brem, bringing it to the other cup competitions that we're in, like the Champions League and the FA Cup, could kick us on a bit. So it is very, very vital. So I do think we'll step up for it, hopefully. I do think Tuchel understands the importance of trophies as a whole, but also this trophy being a way to, to do that. So there is a chance we bottle it, of course, but hopefully the intensity we bring is is there. Um, and we really, we got to take this one home. Yeah, I, d- I don't want to repeat of 2012 under Benitez. Oh, say this trophy we haven't won yet. And I know people, you know, it depends how like seriously you view it, etc. But it is a trophy we haven't won. You do get the cool gold badge on the kit as well, which is quite nice. Mm-hmm. I guess you can technically call yourself world champions as well. Oh, which, we will. We which will. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> which, is, which is something you want. Uh, it is a very important trophy. Like, so, so one thing, as soon as we won the Champions League, I was like, boom, we've got a chance to sort of rewrite the wrongs of 2012. Let's go and win it. And let's, let's get that trophy as well. Because again, you know, may, yeah, it's maybe not the fanciest trophy, but again, at the end of the season, where and a title season that started off with hope of a title, which is now gone, if we can end the season with a Super Cup, a Club World Cup, you know, hope the League Cup final, we've got a decent chance in. We're seeing as we're in the final, the FA Cup again, we've just drawn Luton, you know, as the draw's gone on, say we were recording this, I said it would, uh, which we'll discuss after. Um, you know, we've got a decent, decent chance of going far, you know, competitions again as well. Champions League, Lille, round 16. So it's still a chance, but obviously you want these trophies as well because. We know how good Thomas Ducal is. We know how ruthless for Chelsea board is. Two trophies are a currency to keep you in a job. Again, it's just another thing. Tuchel marks that, and he's the first manager to have won the Club World Cup for us. He's the first manager to have won, you know, I guess, the Champions League, the Super Cup and Club World Cup for us. Uh, he kind of rewrites his, you know, gets his own sort of history, etc. It's just one of those where the Club World Cup, it, it does feel big as well. And this month in general, in February, really does set the tone for me for the rest of the season. Because if we win the Club World Cup, if we win the, you know, the Carabao Cup, then it's been a really good month. We've won, added two more trophies to the cabinet and then throwing the fact that, you know, around a 16 tie at home to Lille where, fingers crossed, we can do get, you know, do the job first leg, you know, see it off second leg. And then obviously, you know, Premier League games against like Palace, et cetera, whatever, had a chance then to, you know, get a job done there and further, you know, secure, go away to securing top four. So this month is real big. And certainly I feel like the mood at the end of the month will be, you know, very tense to probably how the rest of the season goes. But fingers crossed, we're in a really really good jubilant mood because we know what, you know, trophies just not, not really much better feeling in football than that. So we'll just, you know, hopefully go on there, do the job and say, it's just a chance for, you know, us to just add trophies to the collection. Just again, just yeah. kind of gloss, you know, add a bit of gloss to, to the season, which probably hasn't, you know, unfortunately got slightly derailed, you know, quicker or earlier than we'd have liked, but that's just uh, the way it goes. Uh, next question comes in from Shyam. What do you do for the FA Cup fishes when Mendy comes back? Do you bring him right in or do you stick with Kepa? Uh, Jay, I mean, again, this gives us the opportunity to talk about Luton, 
because we've just drawn. Uh, we've drawn Luton in the next round of the cup. Firstly, you happy with that? They are in the championship. They're doing fairly well. I think they're sort of in the playoffs on around the playoff picture. So it won't be an easy game. But obviously, we did play them in the cup last year. We got past them. Yeah. Um, just thoughts on, on Luton in the cup, and obviously then you know sticking with Kepa for for the FA Cup run as well. Yeah, so yeah, they're doing all right. I've just had a look. They're doing all right. They're, they're ninth at the moment. They've won eleven games. They've drawn nine. They're doing okay at the moment. Uh, but it's one of those, isn't it? It's 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 a favourable fixture for Chelsea. You know, being in in the league below, uh, it's away, which is interesting. I don't think we've had that many away fixtures uh, of late, have we? A lot of the smaller clubs have been coming to to the bridge, so that'll be interesting to see the mentality because you know those Luton fans will be absolutely up for it. Um, but it's one of them, isn't it? It's, it's one of them that Chelsea kind of need to just get the job done and win. Um, uh, but it'll be it'll be a fun one nonetheless. I love the FA Cup. It's um, yesterday was stressful, but you know what? It was entertaining nonetheless. So yeah, I uh, I'm looking forward to that fixture. And as for Kepa uh, and the Mendy thing, yeah, I I, I like it when there's um, cup rotations for keepers because keeping is such a weird job it's completely different to being a, a footballer isn't it you're a goalkeeper you're not a footballer it's so strange um and when you're a second choice goalkeeper you don't get that much opportunity to impress or to uh just play and that's what footballers want to do they want to play so i'm happy to keep Kepa playing in the fa cup or in different cup competitions um going forward because it's only fair isn't it especially if he's playing well say if you, you bring him in for the cup games and he's done awful then you might think okay I'm gonna get Mendy back in but for me yeah I'm happy to keep him in he's been classic gives him more playing minutes it gives him more confidence and and yeah it's against Luton so it should be okay yeah no exactly obviously we'll have to be a lot better than we were against Memphis yesterday because obviously Luton a division higher mm-hmm. um you know it will be it'll be an interesting game but yeah say Kepper is our cup keeper. I don't really have an issue with it. Obviously, I guess, you know, we saw Kepper even played in the semi-final against Manchester City last year, which was a chance for, for Tuchel to play Mendy. Then, obviously, Kepper played in the final. There was a whole debate. Does Mendy save the goal? But Kepper concedes, whatever. It is it's certainly an interesting one. Like I do think, you know, I like... It, again, we'll kind of get into the end of the month when we have the Liverpool Cup tied. Like, there'll be that interesting conundrum. What do you do with... Do you play Kepper, who's been, you know, your cup keeper? Or do you, or do you go with Mendy? Obviously, we maybe got stung by playing Kepa in the final last year. I don't know, but it's certainly a tough one. But I think, yeah, Kepa should stick with, I'd like to see Kepa stick, you know, the FA Cup games to at least, you know, the semi-final stage. Then we'll just uh, see what happens there. And they say, yeah, you know, we've had a relatively kind draw on the FA Cup so far this campaign. So hopefully that continues. Uh, next and final question comes in from Travis. Will Chelsea finish two seasons in a row with J5 outscoring every attacker by Mason Mount? It's looking likely, Jay. It's uh, looking likely because I said yesterday, our two goal scorers, all that talent on the pitch, all those chances we created were our two fullbacks. Oh, listen, I, it must be there must be some sort of record we're going to be setting with about the amount of times our defenders scored over our attackers. Like it's absolutely insane. I hope not, to be honest. I I, I like Jorginho and, and he's a great penalty um taker. So I've got no problem with him scoring those goals, especially when they're a needed penalty. You can kind of trust him, can't you? But we, we've spent, it's about the money, isn't it? We have spent so much money to get goals into this side. It's been a problem for us for so long, like getting a consistent goal scorer. It just hasn't happened. And we've spent hundreds of millions of pounds just for Jorginho to outscore all of them. There's something wrong about that. So Reese James, you know, to score, outscore him, you know, he's an academy product. Ben Chilwell, he's our left back. How are these boys outscoring them? It's annoying. It's frustrating. 
but you, you can see it happening. But to be fair, in the same breath, as long as we're winning, as long as we're getting through, there isn't too much of a problem. It's when we don't win the games and our attackers aren't scoring, that's where the real problem comes, isn't it? Yeah, no, exactly. On the whole, we still managed to to get by the season. Say we do sit in third, we're in the final of the Carabao Cup. We seem to be getting by, even if our attack doesn't always seem to fire. And say sometimes when they do fire, they fire spectacularly. I look what happened when ZH coming to life in that Spurs game, etc. They just happens with moments. But yeah, there is a real chance that you know J five does help score every attacker bar Mason Mount uh, this season. We will have to wait and see. But obviously, there's still a long way left in the season. Who knows, Rom by some miracle could find form um but yeah it's there's a strong chance that will happen because it said our two our goal scorers yesterday work from our fullbacks but yeah that kind of wraps it up for that just podcast as we said uh while this recorded we did draw loot and we just gave our thoughts there on loot and it'll be a tricky tie not a great away day because it's a small ground tiny away allocation so getting a ticket won't be fun um but yeah <laughs> it's it is what it is um yeah we'll see it's i think it's a midweek these next round of games so that'll be interesting I think it's in between, yeah, I think it's before we play Burnley away uh, in the league around March time, whatever. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, but yeah, it's, it is what it is. It's, it'll be good. It's smaller, smaller ground than uh, Bournemouth. So um, yeah, it's oh, 10, five of us will go in then. <laughs> 10,356. Yeah. So it's a smaller capacity than Bournemouth. So say trying to get a ticket for that is not going to be very fun. Now we're more than likely miss out which will be a shame but it is what it is um yeah luton the magic of a cup i suppose uh small ground now nah, it'll be it'll be good fun you know say good chance to get on the road to wembley say because we're about what two games including the luton game we're about two games from a, a wembley semi-final now so it's it's sort of getting a bit more getting a bit more real so mm. um yeah it'll be exciting to see see what happens that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of that Chelsea podcast, I want to thank Jay for coming on. Jay, it was a pleasure as always. Before you go, give yourself one last plug where people can find you. Uh, thanks for having me on, mate. I've really enjoyed it. It's uh, good to be back. I've, I've been away for a while, but I'm back now. So, like, I'll, I'll be happily come on again. Um, find me on Twitter, JTMLNS. And more importantly, find me on YouTube. I'm going to be doing re- live streams, reactions, previews, anything football related. Uh, mostly Chelsea related I'm going to be doing on there and that is called Jay Tomlin's Football yeah check out Jay all his links will be in the description below he's a top top guy who I will have the pleasure of seeing at the Carabao Cup final at the end of the month can't um, wait mate can't wait as for us we're on Twitter at that Chelsea pod on Instagram at that Chelsea pod we're on all your usual podcast platform providers Apple, Spotify etc if you're an Apple leave us a rating review that's greatly appreciated and on Spotify you can now rate our show so if you can rate us five stars that would be truly truly epic just get us as many five star ratings as possible um, so yeah uh, say play it to basically anyone who's got a functioning pair of ears uh, who will happily listen to this and uh, yeah until the next episode everybody keep the blue flag flying high Sports Social Podcast Network Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.